What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of Murph's Boston Sports Talk. I am your host, James Murphy, aka Murph, and you can find me on social media at Murph's underscore Boston ST, where the ST stands for Sports Talk. As you know, as you love, what's going on, everybody? Hopefully, you had a fantastic week from Monday all the way through today being Friday. I am recording this episode later in the evening instead of my normal afternoon recordings because the Celtics are playing tonight and I like to play or I should say I like to record while a Boston team is playing just so I can have something to discuss in the middle of an episode or whatever maybe you know there's a dull moment or you know something kind of you know I lose my train of thought or whatever that happens right and instead of just cutting and editing it out or whatever I just like to you know refer to the game real quick oh look at that dung like Oh, snap, uh, what a goal, whatever it may be. So so while I am recording this, it is a little before 8 o'clock, and the Celtics do tip off at 8.30 for Game 3 of their Best of 7 series versus the Brooklyn Nets. Game 3 and 4 will be in Boston after the first two were in Brooklyn. So hopefully with the Celtics down 2-0 in the series, hopefully, hopefully a little home court advantage could kind of help kickstart them to get back into the series because right now it's looking like a clean sweep. Obviously, the Celtics feel, I don't want to say good about it, but they feel like they can still give the Nets a run for their money. And I relatively like to be optimistic and confident on this podcast, with it, whether it's regards to the Patriots, the Bruins, the Red Sox, or the Celtics. But as you know, over the past week or so, I've been super critical and tough on the Celtics just because of the whole course of the season how it's played out I mean you know from episode one all the way to now being episode 55 56 where's my mouse um I'll just tell you right now what episode number we are on uh it's a shame that I don't know this right off the top of my head you would think that I would okay so this is gonna be episode 56 so well thank you for joining me for episode 56 but I've been super critical about the Celtics literally all year round I mean I know that Beginning of the year, they were looking like a top four team in the Eastern Conference. And they were at that time. I mean, I do have to give them that respect. But as the season played out, they just started to slip and they started to slide. Oh, chapstick falling. So ever since then, you know, when they went down uh, below 500, it was like 15 and 17 or whatever. You know, I didn't want to talk about them. All the way till now... Then, obviously, I can't forget the fact that, you know, I thought that they were going to be a legitimate contender, maybe being the four, five, six seed or whatever, and they walk away with being the seventh seed. You know, that take, you know, kind of bit me in the ass. But you know what? It's sports. Not all takes are correct. Not all takes are incorrect, depending from your point of view. But at the end of the day, the Celtics do have a big game tonight, probably the biggest game of the season. Although I did say if they weren't able to win one in Brooklyn, it is over. And I do believe that. I'm a very realistic person when it comes to Boston sports or just in sports in general. I think you guys have the gist of that by now, whether it is local sports teams or national sports teams. I'm very realistic. I'm very upfront. I will give my take, my opinion about it. I will listen to other people's rebuttals and their takes and opinions about it. And we have a discussion, we have a a debate, an argument maybe, a conversation, which is all what the purpose of this podcast is all about, Murph's Boston Sports Talk, is centered around discussing, discussing Boston sports and, of course, major league-wide topics as well. So, I like I said, 
big game for the Celtics, and I know I mentioned this on Hump Day's, I mean Wednesday's edition of Murph's Boston Sports Talk, that hopefully on Friday, when come the game, I will have a little bit more confidence and faith in this team because I was so, so miserable. I was so upset, and I was just so frustrated with that team, and I just talked absolute shit about them, and respectively so. I mean, they got slapped in game two, and they deserved every bit of hatred, every bit of bad-mouthing, and every bit of, uh, I don't even know, just disrespect that I gave them, sure, whatever you want to call it. And I said, well, hopefully, maybe come Friday's episode, I'll have a different outlook, and I'll be able... If if you heard that, I got to pause that. I need to see if that the mic picked that up. Hold on. So after review, the microphone did pick that up, and that was my dog scurrying away because he got a little too close to the cat, and my dog, Bogey, wants to play with my cat, Koi. Koi's like, bro, just get the hell out of my face. You know, I'm going to fight you. And Bogey just wants to play being the young pup that he is. So <laughs> that was really, really funny, and I'm actually really happy the mic picked that up. But anyways... Where was I? Yes. I was hoping that come Friday I'd have a different outlook and a little bit more confident, optimistic approach. As I did say at the beginning that this series could go five games. And I think that's, you know, being nice. Realistically, it looks like a sweep. But you know what? We have a fresh, brand new take about it because the Boston Celtics, this is playoff basketball. And although the chances look very slim, and I believe that they should look very very slim I still think that this team can I don't want to say make noise and I'm not going to sit here and try to tell you that like oh this team can you know back sweep the nets or this team can you know win the series I'm not going to say that but I think now being on home on home court I think the Celtics will have a little bit of juice to them you know they've had this will be you know three days since Game two, you know, Wednesday, Thursday, now Friday being the third day, to really take in, to really take in being down 2-0. Having a, a good lead for two and a half quarters of play, then losing it and losing by 11 in game one, and then being absolutely torched and blown out, losing by 22. But, I mean, realistically, it should have been like a 40-point loss in game two. Now game three... The Garden will be damn near sold out for both the uh, Celtics tonight and then the Bruins tomorrow for their series against the Islanders, which I will go into just a little bit later in the show today. But I do want to stay focused on the Celtics, you know, for the first part of the episode. But yes, hopefully the Celtics can feed off of the energy of a starved Celtics nation. I mean, it's been a very long time to have not had a sold-out crowd. I mean, not that it's sold out, but you know, to have a substantial amount of fans. They went from no fans, 12%, 25%. I don't even know what the percentage is. I just know it's going to be a lot. And whatever that may entail is going to be excellent. It's going to be incredible for the Celtics because Celtics are good at home. I mean, let's just be honest. They are a home team. Although... Yeah, they are a home team. I'm just gonna. Be, I'm, I'm not gonna go. You know, ins and outs of it. They are a home team. They sucked on the road. They're good at home. It's plain and simple. They have a bench that is only good at home. And typical, typically, teams in the NBA 
team, those kind of teams are only good at home. I mean, if you go back a couple uh, seasons ago, the Celtics relied heavily on their bench, and they got uh, they lost in the second round to Milwaukee Bucks when they didn't have home court. That's why home court is so important in the NBA because typically throughout the NBA, teams with good benches or teams that rely on their bench typically perform much better than they do on the road because those players that are role players, situational players, key players, specialty players, whatever they may be, feed off of the energy of the home crowd. Like, I mean, say, you know, the second unit comes in, they need to maintain a lead, they make a couple good plays, they feed off of the energy, and, you know, they're able to hold the lead while the starters sit on sit on the bench to get their, uh, to get their rest, get their win back, whatever. Then the starters come back in, and they're able to kind of, you know, go from there. When they go on the road and they have to either maintain a lead or try to cut down a lead, they're not able to really do that because when they make a bucket, they're getting booed or they're not getting cheered on. And, you know, they're really not able to, you know, drive off of that or, you know, really perform off of that because starters, well, they're starters. And, you know, no matter what, they have to play 35, 40, maybe, you know, 42, 43 minutes a night. So they're in there regardless, and typically the starters are your five best players. And your role players sometimes may get 30 minutes. Sometimes they may get 20, 10. Maybe they won't even get any minutes that game. So I really think being at home will serve the Celtics very well, and I'm not going to say that, leaving you to think that I think the Celtics will win tonight. I still think it's a far shot. I don't really know what area of the game of basketball outside of being in the garden having home court tonight will serve them as an advantage whether it is for tonight's game or Sunday's game game four it's tough it's tough because Tatum's played poorly in this series Kemba's dinged up he's played poorly those are your two guys without Jalen Brown those are your two guys that have to combine for at least probably like 65 points in order to win or at least be competitive right you know I think at this point we'll take competitive especially after what we saw in game two so Tatum Kemba they have to match the output of Durant Harden or Kyrie they have to those two players for your Celtics Kemba Walker and Jason Tatum have to match the output of two of either Durant Harden or Kyrie and then your next two players have to match the output of the Brooklyn Nets' third player, right? I've given this, putting chapstick back on, I've given this example, and I've told you this before. If Kevin Durant is the leading scorer with 40 points, Tatum has to drop 40 points. If James Harden or Kyrie goes for 32, Kemba's got to go for 32. And say the third player, well, let's just say Harden, all right? Harden's the you know the third highest scorer. He only gets 28. Well, Marcus Smart and, I don't know, Tristan Thompson have to combine for 28. You see the math that I'm going with here? Because I do, as much as I've criticized the Celtics bench, I don't want to say it's an advantage because I don't think that it is. But being on home court, it serves them a slight advantage, I guess, that I think being in the garden at home, I trust the Celtics bench to outplay the Brooklyn Nets bench. Now, if this is in Brooklyn, I would disagree with that. But going off of my take from just a couple moments ago where, you know, bench teams or teams with a good bench typically perform better, 
and I think that will hopefully show true tonight as tip-off is now 23 or so minutes away as it's 8.07 currently as I'm recording this. So with all that being said, all that being said, what do I expect from tonight's game from the Boston Celtics? I'll give you three things I'm looking for, like I like to do with the uh, the Celtics from games one and two or the Bruins from their first round series. Three things. Bounce back games from both Kemba Walker and Jason Tatum. All right, whatever that may be. You know, it would be nice for them to both drop 30, give you a really good, uh, give you some really good juice from your top two guys. Now with Jalen Brown not being able to play for the rest of this year and for a good chunk of next year, those two guys are going to have to drop 30 one way or another. Hopefully combined for 65 points one way or another, but either way, a nice bounce back game from the both of them is something I'm really looking forward to. Number two, defense. You have to slow down this team. You have to slow down this team. And I mentioned this before, whether it's playing man-to-man, 2-3 zone, 3-2 zone, 1-3-1, box and one, I don't care how you do it. I don't care how you stop them. I don't care what the defense looks like. Man, I mean, people could be playing with, uh, you know, their jerseys on backwards. I don't care. They could be playing, they could have Kemba Walker play center, you know, guarding the paint. I don't care. You got to stop Brooklyn. You have to stop them. If you can hold them to 100 points, I think you could win. I, I do. I think you could win if you hold them to 100. I mean, they only scored 104 points in game one, and you scored 93. If you're just able to hit your free throws, and you know Tatum was able to score more than I think it was like 22 points or whatever that night, you have a good shot at winning. So Celtics defense needs to step up, stop the Nets one way or another, and I would put the number at 100 for the Brooklyn Nets. Point number three, taking advantage of the Brooklyn Nets bench. I haven't really been surprised or too impressed with this Brooklyn Nets bench. I mean, you have the star, you have Landry Shamit scoring 10 points, Bruce Brown, the junior, scoring 6 points, Nicholas Claxton, 0 points in 18 minutes, Jeff Green scoring 6 points for them in 12 minutes. Other than that, they're getting nothing else. Uh, Durant, 26, Joe Harris, 25. Blake Griffin, 11 points in 20 minutes. Irving, 15. James Harden, 20. If they're going to put up those numbers, you should be able to beat them. I mean, you should be able to beat that. If that's what they're going to get from their starters, then you should be able to beat their bench. I mean, like I said, I'm going off a game two stats, and I know that they were able to put 130 on you, but they were getting two points here, three points, four points there from their bench players who typically don't won't be getting playing time. In playoff games unless the game is an absolute blowout like it was but their bench is not good and it was good last year and it was also good the beginning of this year before they made that James Harden trade that's why I was kind of iffy about the Nets because they lost a whole bunch of good young players whether it is rotational players depth players or even a couple starters I mean obviously they proved me wrong and they probably proved the league wrong but that bench is not good I know that the Nets will always have one of those big three guys out there. And I think that should be the strategy for every single game. And I think it is. I don't watch too many Brooklyn Nets games. I I guess I don't watch any Brooklyn Nets games, right? Because I don't really care. But if you can neutralize their bench and your bench can exploit that, 
or even if you're starters, if there's a mismatch in units out there, you should be able to win or you should be in a good position to win that game. So those are the three things I'm looking forward to in game three for the Boston Celtics. Like I said, game three tips off in about 19 minutes now here in Boston. Game three and four will be in Boston with game four on Sunday. Hopefully come Monday's episode of the fresh brand new week of Murph's Boston Sports Talk, we will have a game five, maybe a game six to look forward to depending on how this weekend goes. But I'm just not all too keen. I'm not too confident about that fact. But being a Boston sports fan, a diehard Boston sports fan and Celtics fan, I am hoping for the best. But all throughout this series, I have been realistic with you in regards to my opinion and my take on the Boston Celtics. So hopefully you can respect that. And if you agree or even disagree, I'd love to hear about it. Uh, shoot me something on social media. Uh, drop something down in the comments below. I want to hear your thoughts about it because I know there's a lot of green teamers out there that still believe in the Celtics. And I know there's a lot of people that just say, oh, Celtics are done. Celtics are done. And I guess I'm in that boat, which I have no problem being. But it's very depressing to be in that boat. So, like I said, Game 3, Celtic going to be tipping off soon. Once the game is on, I will probably still be recording. And... I can't wait to kind of give you a couple of uh, feedbacks as we'll loop back to the Celtics towards the end of the episode. But moving on, the Bruins. I alluded to them earlier. I go from a little, like, you know, dull kind of mellow tone to super excited about these damn Boston Bruins, right? So we finally have news of when game one will be, and that will be tomorrow at 8 p.m. Puck drop. New York Islanders versus your Boston Bruins in the garden. So... Oh, so exciting. It is so exciting. I, I It was very tough to choose whether I wanted the Penguins or the Islanders. I was super on the fence about that. But we, at the end of the day, we got the New York Islanders as they beat the Pittsburgh Penguins 5-3 to three in Game 6, winning that series. The Pittsburgh Penguins were just a mess. They Their goaltending situation was just abysmal. I'm not going to go into it because they're out of the playoffs. It doesn't matter. So let's look ahead to... The New York Islanders. Now, last episode, I did mention when I was doing my comparing and contrasting between the Penguins and the Islanders, I mentioned that the uh, Bruins finished 3-5 three, three and five against the Islanders, and I did not account for overtime losses. So if you really want to get technical with the record, it is 3-3-2 three, three and two versus the New York Islanders in 2020. If that's reassuring to you that they walked away with two overtime losses instead of just two regular uh regulation losses yippee but I mean you know how I feel about the pity point you know how I feel about overtime losses it is what it is but three three and two I guess is a little bit more reassuring than three and five I will take it and run I guess and just let's just break down the New York Islanders real quick let's just catch you up to speed on who they are as a team in case you're not too familiar with them which honestly they're not a Boston sports team so I wouldn't expect you to unless you're really into hockey and if you're anything like me, you are. So let me just dive into the New York Islanders real quick just to bring you up to speed. So here we go. The New York Isles, they play good, tight defense. They're a very good defending team. They like to have a low-scoring game. Obviously, 3-5 to five in Game 6 is not their style of play. But when you're getting pissful goaltending from the Penguins, it's hard to, not to score five goals. Let's look at some of their recent games uh, during the series against the Penguins game one they won 4-3 in overtime they lost 2-1 in game two 
they lost 5-4 in game three, and then game four, they won 4-1. Game five, they won 3-2. And game four, they won 5-3. So they were able to win three games in a row to beat the Pittsburgh Penguins. And like I mentioned, I'm going to keep kind of alluding to it. The Penguins did not have the best of goaltending, so it wasn't that hard for them to put up four goals here, five goals there against that team. But typically, typically, that team is a low-scoring team that plays good defense. They struggle to score. It's just plain and simple. They struggle to score, and they suck five-on-five. They are not a good five-on-five team. I think I read somewhere that they were 28th in the league, five-on-five. While your Boston Bruins, I believe, are second behind the Vegas Golden Knights. I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, please, but I think that's true, too. If I remember correctly what I heard earlier on sports radio. So being second on five on five, playing against a team that's 28th or so, five on five, that does serve you in your favor. And if you do remember a couple seasons ago during your Stanley Cup playoff run, ah, Man, that team, the Bruins sucked 5-on-5 a couple years ago when they made it to the conf- uh, the Cup Finals. They were only really able to generate any goal scoring, any offense when they were on the power play. And that's just something you don't want to do is you don't want to rely on being up a man advantage. Because then when the going gets tough, you're just going to be looking for fi- uh, penalties and you're going to be flopping around. But yeah, being much improved in 5-on-5 compared to a couple seasons ago is... Very impressive looking back at it because before, you know, really kind of thinking about today's episode, I didn't really kind of think about it too much. I mean, I know I've kind of thought about it a little bit here and here and there between games, but really to sit down, think about it and talk about it is kind of really eye-opening. And obviously, being Bruins fans that you are, I'm sure you've noticed such a difference as well. I mean, the Bruins uh, penalty kill, switching gears here a little bit, has always been tremendous over the years. They're always a top five, top 10, sometimes even a top two or three team in terms of the penalty kill. And that's something that has not eluded them this year. So whenever the Islanders go on the man advantage, hopefully it's not too often, right? But when they do, you can have the confidence that your team, your special teams will be able to shut them down. Their specialty will hope you will hopefully be able to shut that down and your five on five skills will be able to be superior to theirs hopefully resulting in in your team being the Bruins getting four wins here in the second round <sighs> I'm so looking for I I've been waiting to talk about this literally it seems like a month I know it's only been less than a week but I've just been itching to talk about the Bruins second round matchup whoever it was going to be whether it was the Islanders or the Penguins but it is the New York Islanders with Game 1 puck drop 8 p.m. tomorrow at the TD Garden here in Boston, Massachusetts. I am super excited. I'm sure you can tell from the mellow talking about the Celtics tone to me talking about the Bruins. I just have a I can just tell. I can hear it in the headphones. Just I have such a much more pep in my voice. It's really really exciting, encouraging, and I'm super excited to get a uh, get underway with that series. All we have right now is game 1 on uh on the schedule slated right now. Obviously, we still have to wait for the other series, the first round series to end. We do have a couple of series that are going to be going to games at 6 and 7s if necessary, but just really quickly to catch you up to speed if need be, we have let's see, um obviously the Boston Bruins winning their series 4 games to 1, the Winnipeg Jets 
uh, won their series four games to zero against the Edmonton Oilers. The Tampa Bay Lightning won their series four to two against the Florida Panthers. The um, hmm, the Carolina Hurricanes won their series against the Nashville Predators four to two. Who was it? Who was it? Who was it? I uh, well, I can't think of it. Why can't I think of it? It's been a while. Oh, the Colorado Avalanche won their series four games to zero over the St. Louis Blues, who can go pound some fucking sand. Uh, the Vegas Golden Knights have lost a three games to one lead. They will be playing game seven tonight uh, in Las Vegas. 9 p.m. puck drop there. I'll be tuning in for that game as well as the Minnesota Wild have come all the way back from a three games to oh, uh, three game deficit as they were down three games to one in that series. The uh, Toronto Maple Leafs lead their series three games to two over the Montreal Canadiens with game six tomorrow and game seven being on Monday. I really don't know who I want out of that series. I really don't like both teams. The Montreal Canadiens are literally your arch rival, so I guess I'm pulling for the uh, Toronto Maple Leafs. But really quickly, I, before I forget, let me circle back to the Las Vegas, uh, the Vegas Golden Knights. Excuse me. They lost their three games to one lead as the series is now tied up. Anything can happen in Game 7, and this was something I really wanted to emphasize, or I did emphasize with the Bruins series when they were playing against the Washington Capitals, is when you're up two games to one, three games to one, you can't take things lightly because you can't get comfortable, let a good team get hot, next thing you know it's three to two, okay we have one more, uh, we have another game oh, coming in Boston, Game 6, and then like, shit, you lose Game 6, and now it's Game 7. So it's like, oh, man, it just really you know pains me to talk about it, but it, it's a fact. The Boston Bruins were up two games to one against the St. Louis Blues in the 2019 Stanley Cup Finals. They ended up losing the next three out of four games to lose that series in seven games. Just, just, I, it's, it's a touchy subject, but just think about it. You may not realize it at first when you're up three games to one and you're feeling good about yourself. Or two games to one, you're feeling good about yourself. But shit can hit the fan really fast. It can hit the fan really, really fast. And right now, the uh, the Maple Leafs were up. Uh, let's see. They were up 2-1. They're up 3-1. And now they're going to be fighting game six to hopefully close out that series in Montreal. But I made an emphasis big time on uh, taking care of business against the, Cana- uh, the Canadians, against the Capitals, both in game four and in game five because you don't want to extend the series, let a good team get hot, like I mentioned, and the next thing you know, you're playing in a game seven in Washington where anything can happen. But we don't have to worry about that. We do have game one to look forward to tomorrow, and I can't be any more excited about that, as you guys know, and you can already tell. You can already tell. So talked about the Bruins, talked about the Celtics. Let's talk about the Red Sox and no I'm not going to talk about the Red Sox and their recent games played or whatever but you know quick update they're losing two game uh two games two nothing in the bottom of the second to the Miami Marlins formerly known as the Florida Marlins um so yeah Kim and I went to the Red Sox game on Wednesday May 26th and it was incredible it was a great fun time a vlog for that will be coming out shortly yeah, definitely check it out. It has our entire trip into Boston as we were at Boston, at the game, and then obviously as we were coming home from the game. And I'm not going to spoil too much about it, but it was a really good uh, good vlog. It was fun making and it was fun recording and just being at the game. It was incredible. But one thing I do want to mention about that game 
is, boy, the Red Sox looked like they were going to get blown out in that game. It was 3 nothing, bottom two, and then Hunter Renfro hits a piss missile. Uh, absolute laser into the green monster. Thing got out of here in like a, one and a half seconds or something like that. Three to one. Then the Red Sox get a little offense going to tie it up. Three three, bottom four. And next thing you know, the Braves hit a home run. I think it was um, Austin Riley who hit a home run at the top of the fifth. It's like shit. We just did all that work, and now our lead is, or I guess the uh, the tie is broken. Bottom six inning, they score four runs in that inning to go up seven five uh seven four excuse me and it was whoa here we go the offense is going playing small ball base hit here base hit there aggressive base running it was incredible and then boom rain delay a two and a half hour whatever it was rain delay kim and i had to leave around 10 o'clock to walk to our train station to take the train home and yeah, we walked in the rain. We walked a mile in the rain, absolutely soaked and drenched, which you will all be able to see in the vlog when it comes out. Make sure you check out that vlog on YouTube at Murph's Boston Sports Talk on YouTube. You're going to love to see that vlog. It's a it's a funny, it's, it's a dandy one. Oh, one thing about the game as well. I love the fact that everyone in the stadium was booing Pablo Sandoval. <laughs> Every soul that had a seat in Fenway Park Boo, you fat fuck, boo. <laughs> and in the vlog, you'll be able to see me doing that. But it was just so funny. Everybody was doing that. And he sucked. He went over four in that game. So, ha, ha, ha. <laughs> it was super funny. But, yes, at the end of the day, the Red Sox did win that game 9 to 5 Really good game to see them hopefully bounce back and start a winning streak like I mentioned in hump days. I mean, Wednesday's edition of Murph's Boston Sports Talk. Where their good luck charms. We're going to get a winning streak going. And Kim and I went there. We accomplished the mission. And now it is 2-2 two two in the middle of the fourth. Okay, so it just didn't update when I uh, clicked on it to check. But, okay, yeah. You know what? I will definitely take 2-2 uh, two two in the middle of the fourth inning for sure. Let's see. What do we have here? We have a hit by Hunter Renfro, who's hitting ninth. That's weird. He was like sixth the other day. Now he's hitting ninth. Anyways, he has a hit. Uh, no RBIs. So who has the RBIs? Oh, J- uh, J.D. Martinez has one hit and two RBIs, so I'm going to assume that that's a home run. I don't have the exact uh, box score right in front of me. I just have the little Google thing that tells me what the lineup is doing. So, yes. Red Sox 2-2 right now, middle of the fourth inning, and the Celtics game is going to be tipping off momentarily. So let me pull that up before I switch over to my next topic here. And let's turn that on. But we don't want the volume. We don't want the volume. Nope, nope, nope. Okay, so one thing I wanted to talk about in this episode as well is obviously you all know that Merv's Boston Sports Talk is a segue into my inevitable card shop and memorabilia store that I plan on opening up. And obviously, I am working tremendously hard in the background to make that happen because that's what I want to do. And that's, you know, I want that shop to be the mainstay, this podcast to be an extension of that. You, you guys all know the good stuff. I do want to give you a piece of advice, though, not in regards to the whole car shop thing. No, 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 no. But 
between now and when I first had this idea months and months and months and months and months ago, and I think it was like the middle of summer last year, I've been, you know, buying and collecting cards for not only the shop, but also my personal collection as well. And I do want to give the, the piece of advice is to make sure you read the items description very well. Okay. Because I was on eBay and I'm a big fan of eBay. I love eBay. I've had minimal problems with them and I'm not here to sell them out. I'm not being paid to say any of this. I'm just being upfront and straight with you. I've had minimal problems with them. I really like them. I think they are a good, hi bogey, hi bogey. I think they're a great source and an outlet for you to purchase anything. It could be sports cards, memorabilia. It could be this, it could be that. It could be gifts for, you know, dad, father's day is coming up, you know, whatever you need, right? They have just about everything, but make sure you read the item description because I went to go purchase what I thought was two Wade Boggs PSA graded cards. And I received them, but I only got one. And I was like, huh, this is a problem. I got another package as well. I was like, there's a second one in the second package? I mean, that made no sense. Then I looked at the shipping address and one was from California. One was from like Tennessee or whatever. I think Bogey wants to go out. So hold on. Let me pause so I can let my, let my dog out for a second. Obviously, I will be right back. And just like that, I am back. Look at that. What was literally... Point two three four seven eight seconds whatever it felt like an eternity for me uh Celtics game still hasn't tipped off yet I know 8 30 probably really means like I don't know like 8 45 or whatever but uh yeah so what was I talking about um goodness I don't even remember uh oh yeah eBay right so I got the card in the mail I only got one of them and in the picture there was two so I was under the impression that I was buying two PSA graded Wade Boggs cards from 1989. Now, I'm not upset that I only got the one. I think the price is still relatively fair for just the one. But, you know, me, kind of the main push of it was to get the two of them. I thought that would have been a great little investment for the price that I paid. I only get the one in the mail. And then I go over back to the item description over on eBay to see if I was actually supposed to get two. Or if I missed the fact that I was only getting one in that in if I was supposed to get two, I was going to have to, you know, talk to the guy or you know, the seller, whoever it is. But I was only getting one. So moral of the story, pictures can be deceiving. If you see two, read the description, make sure that it actually says you will receive two. And if you're not sure, reach out to the seller on eBay to ask and confirm. No question is stupid, especially when you're giving your hard earned money to someone or whatever it may be. It doesn't have to be sports cards. It can be literally headphones. It could be a tripod. It could be chaps. I don't care what it is. And it shouldn't matter what it is. If you have questions about something you're paying for, ask away. So just my little uh, truth moment opening up about what, <laughs> whatever. I don't know what you want to call this. Like honest hour with, uh, with Murph. But yeah, so just a little tidbit right there. So I do want to kind of wrap back around to the Boston Celtics and talk about something that may be sensitive to some people. And when I discuss this topic, I really tried not to be insensitive or say the wrong thing. I'm just trying to be someone who talks about sports, talks about the major discussions, especially revolving around 
the city of Boston and the Boston sports. So I do talk about this subject very carefully as it may be, like I said, sensitive to some people. So I, I mean no ill intent when I talk about this, but the comments from Kyrie Irving regarding the racism here in the city of Boston and at the Garden. And just to quickly recap Kyrie Irving's initial comments that kind of sparked this uh, topic going on into, well, heading into game three, really, is after game two, Kyrie was asked, oh, you know, what is it like going into uh, Boston playing in front of, you know, Celtics Nation and in Boston for the first time since leaving the Celtics just a couple seasons ago. And this was his response. Let me just fix my mic so I can pick up the best audio. Hold on. I mean, it's not my first time being an opponent in, in Boston. Uh, so, you know, I'm just looking forward to competing with my teammates. And, um, you know, hopefully we can just keep it strictly basketball. You know, there's no belligerence or any racism going on, subtle racism and people yelling the crowd. Um, but even if it is, it's, it's part of the nature of the game. And we're just going to focus on what we can control. Is it something you've experienced in Boston before? I'm not the only one that could attest to this, but it's just, you know, it, it won't. It, <laughs> it is what it is. Uh, I mean, it's not. So those are his comments in regards to the question that was being asked. And a couple people have spoke out about it. Danny Ainge said in his 26 years, he's never, you know, heard, experienced anything of the such. Marcus Smart had an incident last year about it. He kind of goes on to say how it's sad and sickening that it's kind of true and that he sided with Kyrie Irving. Then Kendrick Perkins comes out and says that I've lived uh, I've lived there, referring to Boston, for eight and a half years. And me personally, I never dealt with any type of racism while I was living in Boston. It's always extra with Kyrie. So uh, a subtle jab at Kyrie there. And then just now... Uh, 33 minutes ago or so, Jalen Brown comes out and says something in response to that, and I find it very, very interesting. So let me just readjust my mic to pick up that audio. I have not talked to anyone, uh, Kyrie, Marcus, or Danny Ainge, about my thoughts and my perspective, but I do think it's a good conversation. I think that racism should be addressed and or systemic racism should be addressed in the city of Boston, and it also should be addressed to the United States. However, I do not like the, 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 the manner it was you know, brought up in terms of centering around a playoff game. Um, so those are Jalen Brown's comments, and it's interesting that it's coming from him. It is and it's not. I mean, it's interesting because he's not – he's a player for the Celtics, but he's not playing in this series, right? He has no impact – on this series, whether it is for the good or for the bad. Marcus Smart has a direct impact on it because he is physically playing in said game. He is making um, contributions, whether it's for the good or for the bad. Kyrie Irving, obviously, for the same thing, just on the other side of the coin. Kendrick Perkins played here for, like you said, eight and a half years, or he lived here for eight and a half years, and he never experienced such a thing. Danny Ainge obviously was a player, and then he became the general manager of the Boston Celtics. So there's people saying yes, there's people saying no. The city of Boston, unfortunately, has a long history of racism. And I don't know how it started, why it started, and quite frankly, it should never have started. 
I mean, racism, period, is just not, you know, it's not fair. It's not uh, ethical. It's not, you know, it's not right to simply put it, right? However, there's always going to be racism. There's always going to be sexism. There's always going to be whateverism. There's always going to be discrimination against a, whether it's a group of people, whether it is a group of people believing in something or a group of people for being whatever gender that is. And not to get into it all, you know, discussion about, you know, ethics, right? But Boston specifically has been known to be a generally racist city. I mean, a former outfielder for the Baltimore Orioles, Adam Jones, he played center field here um, in Boston for many games when the Orioles came into town. And he has come out and said that, yeah, I've been called the N-word numerous times, this and that. I just, it's sickening because, you know, people in center field and obviously being drunk out there and talking shit is not an excuse to call someone the N-word. It's just not. And Torrey Hunter, a former outfielder, obviously for the Twins and for the Angels, the, the Tigers as well. I mean, people loved Torrey Hunter. There was oftentimes where Hunter could have came to Boston. And I think it was like in 2002 or something like that. He flat out said that I will never go to Boston. Every contract I negotiate has a clause that I will not, that I cannot be traded to Boston because of the racism that he endured while he was in the outfield. Uh, you can go further back and back. I mean, the Red Sox were like, I believe, the last team to have the first uh, black player on their roster after Jackie Robinson broke the color barrier. I know. I mean, you could look at, you know, Bill Russell being the first uh, black head coach in the NBA as, I guess, a pro. But are we really going to weigh pros and cons in this discussion? I really don't think that's a discussion to weigh pros and cons about. Racism? Bad. It's not good. Period. It shouldn't be a thing. Period. So we're not going to sit here and weigh pros and cons. But just to give you a little uh, history, a little bit of details into why that something like this is kind of sensitive because Boston is known to be racist. Unfortunate truth. And it sucks to to have that moniker or have that be known to the world. That could, you know, besides it being unethical and unmoral, but, you know, in terms of, you know, free agents not wanting to come here or people not come, wanting to come visit because of the the fact that it is a racist town or racist city, I guess. But, you know, nickname town. It's just disgusting, quite frankly. And it's sad to that be true. And I personally think that the city of Boston has done a general, generally a decent job at trying to fix and change that. I mean... You look at, you know, the players on their team, and I'm not going to try to tell you like, oh, they have, you know, black players, you know, to kind of make, make up for that. But you see, you know, Jalen Brown, he's inked here for the next uh, four years. Jason Tatum, his five-year contract is going to start next year. And to, to have those two players be black is, I'm not going to say, oh, it's a good thing, you know, to kind of help lure in other, you know, black free agents. But like, it just shows you how far they have come to see two young studs, two young superstars in the makings be drafted here in Boston to grow up here in Boston, uh, well, in terms of their NBA career, and then want to extend their career here in Boston is very reassuring because of how the city or what the city is kind of known to be, unfortunately known to be, and that's to be racist. So it just shows you how far that they have come or the, the city of Boston has come 
that they've done good things in order to help keep, you know, Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown here in Boston. I mean, you could look at Mookie Betts, who left just last year, or I guess got traded, but he wanted this ridiculous-ass contract. He wanted, like, $450 million for, like, 10 years or whatever it is. And, like, that's absolutely preposterous. And that's all. And I, me personally, I think he only wanted that contract or uh, wanted that kind of contract from the Red Sox was because he knew that they weren't going to pay him. So that was his way of kind of forcing their hand in order to trade him. Now, why he wanted to be traded? Could it be because of the racism in Boston? Sure. Maybe. I I mean, I'm not going to sit here and tell you yes, or I'm not going to sit here and tell you no, but I mean, that's definitely a possibility. And that's something that has been uh, immensely discussed. You know, when Mookie Betts left, when all these racist topics have popped up between then and now, So it's just a conversation that we unfortunately have to have. And it's a conversation that, quite frankly, should not be had and hopefully will never be had again or, you know, will hopefully cease to not happen. I can't say that's going to happen because the world is a cruel place and people make fun of people for whatever reason, whether you're white, black, Asian, uh, Hispanic, Latino, Asian Pacific, I don't know. There's a tons of different uh, ethnic groups and uh, nationalities out there these days. And it's just really unfortunate that I'm even sitting here having this conversation. But unfortunately, it's true. And is it going to continue to pop up? More than likely. But hopefully, we can get through it and we can push forward with it. Not just as the city of Boston, not just as a country being uh, the United States of America, but as a world in general. Because obviously, uh, 2020 and 2021, the Asian community has been getting a lot of uh, discrimination, a lot of hate for the whole COVID-19 thing. You know, discriminating them against them starting it. That's just wrong. That's disgusting as well. It's just like, ugh. Like, come on. How low is this society going to get? Seriously. But anyways, I, I I thank you for bearing with me through that excuse me, that conversation, that topic of discussion, because it's something that I wanted to address. Well, ideally didn't want to address, but something that I had to address. And hopefully, with that being said, as a collective group, being Merv's Boston Sports Talk, we can come out better from it. Seeing what is portraying in real life, obviously, like I said, not just here in Boston, not just here in the United States, but just in the world period. Hopefully, as a community, as a group, we can push forward, push through it together. And all it takes is one person. And I know you've heard this a million and one times, but it's still a thing. And we still need to keep pushing forward and push for equality on all spectrums. So thank you for listening to me talk about that. Uh, in better terms and in, in better news, I guess the Celtics are down by 10 to the Brooklyn Nets, 22 to uh, 12 with six minutes to go in the first Tatum just hit a free throw. So make that 22 to 13. Um, how good are we feeling with three and a half quarters to go being down by nine? I don't think it's, ter- I don't think it's terrible. I think it could be worse, right? And Tatum hits two of two free throws, so make that 22 to 14. We're only down by eight. Let's go. Yeah, I just got a nice, good, fresh uh, fresh sip of water right there as Harden brings it up. 
Wow, this this team is literally just a three man game between Kyrie, Harden, and Durant. Harden brings the ball up, passes it to Durant, to Durant, settles for a contested fadeaway jump shot. Marcus Smart goes to the hole for a little, uh, I don't want to say a fadeaway, but kind of like a, he was driving to the hole and then he kind of like fell towards the sideline, took the contact from Blake Griffin, got the N1 bucket. Not bad, Marcus Smart, you know. Okay, yeah. I see the foul, a nice bucket. You know, people hate on Marcus Smart because, you know, he plays, uh, he thinks his offensive role is more important than it is and I, I believe in that I wish he was more of kind of like a five to ten point scorer but you know what when the occasion calls for it I don't mind an occasional Marcus Smart you know shot or two but I, I don't want him to be you know the third guy you know right when, when your team is fully healthy Tatum Brown Kemba I mean then I guess Marcus Smart right I mean I don't know who else after that but Marcus Smart, hopefully he can step up now without Jalen Brown. And if Kemba Walker's thing, okay, Kevin Durant is just literally playing a two-man game with him and Harden now. I mean, it's literally just rinse and repeat with these two. Just passing the ball between each other. Harden's going to settle for a three, a little push-off three, but misses. Ooh, okay. All right, down by nine still. Can we get a little offense going? What? Oh, what? Kemba, he was driving against Durant, goes for a cross-court pass, did not work. Kevin Durant brings the ball up, pass, uh, you know, hands it off to Joe Harris, who shoots a uh, transition three and misses. Is this literally the Brooklyn Nets offense? Am I literally watching the 2020, 2021 Brooklyn Nets offense right here? I guess 2020 because of uh, Tatum, step back three, misses. Uh, when did the season start? Did it start in Christmas? Before I think it started before Christmas, but they didn't get um, hard until 2020. So I guess it's just the 2020 Brooklyn Nets offense and oh Blake Griffin's in the post now okay Marcus Smart manning him up he's got him oh wow Marcus Smart let's go I told you I I I am a firm believer Marcus Smart is only one of the only few to guard all five positions and Tatum oh why I don't understand why Tatum is settling for a step back three in Durant's face why why they're in a little bit of cold streak right now, missing a couple shots. Work the offense, guys. Sheesh. My goodness. So, yeah, I'm probably just going to sit here and talk about the game until maybe the next commercial timeout. There's 3.55 left to go in the game right now. Jeez. <laughs> I'm so happy that I, I haven't watched a single bounce of a basketball in this entire series. Because this is disgusting. And I... I I love basketball so much. I really like the NBA. But what the NBA has turned into is, oh, my God. It's 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 carbon. Every team, I well, I don't want to clunk every team, but a lot of teams and a lot of these superstars do the same thing. Step back threes, fall away or fade away shots, look and cry for fouls, and that's it, right? Now, you can point fingers at Steph Curry for revolution, uh, revolutioning the three-point shot, sure. But, you know, people like James Harden with the step-backs and all that, it's just like, my God. And then, like, you know, Harden, LeBron, they just, like, look and cry for fouls. And now, now Trey Young is doing it for Atlanta. It's like, my God, guys, just play the damn game. Run the offense and pass the ball. Uh, you know, okay, 
Marcus Smart with the three ball from the top of the arc. Wow, okay. Hey, Celtics down by eight now. Kyrie shoots a three, misses. Look at that. See, the, the Nets have like missed their past four shots. Evan Fournier pulls up for a three and misses. It's just, okay. The ball bounces around a little bit in the Celtics, and Evan Fournier comes down with the, the loose rebound. He dribbles up the court, crossover, pulls up for a transition three. Marcus Smart, granted Marcus Smart, but still, a man was open. One pass over to like, you know, the 45 degree spot on, at the three point line. And it's just like he was open. As much as you, uh, you know, agree or disagree with Marcus Smart shooting the ball, he was open. He was much more open than Evan Fournier was. And okay, look at that. Romeo Langford hits the three ball. Interesting. It's good to see Romeo Langford again some playoff minutes. It really is because, you know, I think he has a bright future with this team. He's been riddled with injuries a little bit. And, you know, that's no fault to his own. Obviously, the pressure's kind of on him being a former first-round draft pick. But he needs these minutes. He really does because playoff experience is so valuable in just all sports, not just basketball. In all sports, playoff minutes is so valuable. And to get that at his age, Brown got it. Tatum got it when they first got into the league. Rajon Rondo got it when he first got into the league, you know, being with the big three. It's something you need to have. And to I don't know if Stevens believes in him, but he believes in him enough to put him in, you know, a game. Game three, a must-win game. And he's out there taking shots, and it's, hey, he made it. I, I mean, I know he kind of struggled in game two, but you know what? I will take it. I will absolutely take it here in this one. But yes, we have finally reached the TV timeout with the Brooklyn Nets calling a timeout. And that is going to wrap it up for today's episode. Thank you so much, guys, for joining me. I know we talked about a plethora of topics revolving around Boston and Boston sports. I really appreciate you downloading, listening, and enjoying as always. I tremendously appreciate it. Whether you just download and that's it. Whether you listen and that's it. Or maybe you just I don't know, enjoy it, and that's it, right? I mean, I don't know. I, I greatly appreciate it, and it's super awesome to have the support. I hopefully have a uh, big announcement coming up very, 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 very soon, but I still have to do a little bit of behind-the-scenes work. But hopefully come Monday's episode, we start the new week with some good news on my end, but also on the end of Boston sports, whether it's the Celtics, the Bruins, or maybe both. Who knows? But I hopefully we'll be able to talk about the Celtics and a Game 5 on Monday. Hopefully we can talk about a Game 1 win for the Bruins on Saturday, tomorrow. But between now and then, guys, that is going to do it. Please, please, please download, listen, and enjoy on all audio platforms. Reach out to me on social media at Merce underscore Boston ST, where the ST stands for Sports Talk. And if you're watching on YouTube, Please leave a like if you enjoyed this episode. Comment down below any thoughts about any topics that we discuss as I would love to listen to what you have to say. And if you're new to the channel or haven't considered yet, please uh, please subscribe to the channel as that would be greatly appreciated as well. But not to hold you any longer, guys. Thank you so much and have a wonderful weekend. It's going to suck. It's going to be cold. It's going to rain. But hopefully stay dry, stay warm, and I will catch you at the beginning of the week for Monday's episode of Murph's Boston Sports Talk. But between now and then, you know that I love you, and you know that I will see ya.
You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator.